comparison kills. I wasn't jealous at all of, of their gifts. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I'm just trying to fight that back. Jesus, help me. Okay. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is David Kim. I'm on staff here at Westgate Church, and we are on the series of joy. And so can we start with a game? Is that okay? I start with the game. So uh, 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 what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you a couple pictures. And as you see these photos, uh, I need you to yell out, okay, which one you think is better. Choose one, and whatever you think is better, yell it out for us, okay? Ready? Ready? Okay, you guys got it? Okay, I'm going to show you some photos. Here we go. Ready, set, go. Cats or dogs? Which one's better? I hate both of them. Okay, let's go to the next one. Durant, LeBron, or Curry? Oh, Curry Nation here. Okay, this one's a little tricky. Ready? In and Out or Chick fil A? <laughs> what? Ah. What? So much anger here. Okay. All right, next one. Here we go. Over or under? Over, you sinners. Ooh, yeah, under is not healthy. <laughs> and if you think about this, um, comparison, as we think about comparison, it's actually a neutral thing. It, it gives us discernment and wisdom into life. God has given kind of the tools of comparison to figure out, like as you are applying to school and you're trying to figure out which one that you want to go to, or as you apply for different jobs and you're figuring out which place that you want to work for, and, and comparison's part of life. As you're figuring out at Trader Joe's, I do this often, as I'm picking out watermelon, I'm slapping them to hear what is hollow because that's, that means it's more ripe, and, and I'm doing that, and if you see me, pray for me. Okay, I'm doing that, right? Com comparison is actually a, a, a normal thing of life. God has given us uh, as a part of our journey to be wise. And I would say if you're an athlete, you know this. Oftentimes, comparison is used for inspiration. And that's beautiful too. As you see folks who are further down the road. And I want to see that and say, wow, I want to be inspired. And to learn the traits and habits of how he or she is doing that craft and get better at it. The, the, for inspiration, that's a beautiful thing. For those who are in the faith and folks who are a long, long kind of further on in their journey with Jesus, to be inspired there by their integrity, their love for Jesus, their prayer life, and to press into Jesus. Those are beautiful things. I would say that as you think about that, or folks who are parents and as you are navigating that journey to be inspired by folks who have kind of gone further in their journey of parenting and to hear wisdom and insight and to to compare where you are in your journey and to be inspired by that that's all beautiful but if we are honest with ourselves most times comparison is the thief of joy we're honest with ourselves, comparison, as we're in the series on joy, that comparison steals and kills joy in our lives. That as we are, many times are trying to lean into 
inspiration and discernment, it often backfires and we are filled and it begins to kind of do this weird thing in our hearts where there's envy, jealousy, and, and it starts to eat away all the goodness of God in us, the joys, the satisfaction, contentment that we have in Christ. I mean, the other day, uh, I have Skylar's four, uh, Skylar's six, uh, sorry, Nina, okay, Skylar's six, and Zoe is four, and um, they just went to Gilroy Gardens, and they came back, they're excited, they're telling me about their day, and Skylar couldn't ride uh, one of the kind of a scarier ride, and Zoe was able to, so, you know, I'm, I'm using now comparison to inspire my daughter. So I said, hey, Skylar, like, Zoe, she's two years younger than you, and but she was more brave, and she's able to do this, and how come you can't? Again, I, was, I thought I was using comparison to inspire, and all of you in the room are, wow, that's the worst parent I've ever seen. <laughs> In my life, I'm sorry, right? I'm learning. And, and, I, I thought, and I caught myself going, my goodness, as I'm comparing the two, and all I could see in Skylar's eyes is she just had a wonderful day. Now she's just like, I'm not as good as Zoe. And comparison kills and, 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 and destroys the things, the good things in our lives. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Our Heavenly Father, all of it. And as we, as you and I think about comparison and how it steals and kills joy, I thought about two ways in which comparison does that. There's two ways. One is comparing upward, okay? And the other way is comparing downward. So we're going to start with comparing upward. Okay, two ways in which you navigate and kind of think about how that happens. Comparing upward, comparing downward. When I was in high school, in my class, there was another David Kim. And uh, I remember we were in class together and we were just answering and, and my teacher gave us this hard problem and she said, David Kim, could you answer this for us? And so I said, yeah, sure. And then she said, no, 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 the smarter David Kim. I'm still recovering from that, <laughs> as you can, right? In high school. Let's move on, okay, <laughs> right? <laughs> and in, if you look at the story of the Bible from Genesis on, you see the fall of, of mankind, both Adam and Eve, and as you see the first story that unfolds is actually Genesis 4, where there is sibling rivalry. Have, have, how many of you guys have siblings? Wow, okay, ton. I have a brother, and so Cain and Abel's story, it's the first murder scene in the Bible, and both of them go to worship God, and, and they're grateful for God, but what they realized that Cain's uh, worship and sacrifice was not accepted, and Abel's was, and so Cain starts to feel this thing inside and begins to become jealous and angry over how did my brother get this blessing and acceptance uh, from God, and I didn't. And at that moment, and this is why God is so gracious, before Cain does anything, God comes to him. I love that about our God. Before we even do anything, God knows our hearts. And so God says, hey, Cain, it's, I see this, and, and, and sin is crouching at your door. And its desire is to lord over you, and it's to have you, but you must lord over it. And God says that right there, right in the middle of the story. And, 
And Cain just cannot, filled with comparison and jealousy, anger, frustration. And right after hearing the voice of God and that gentle invitation, he still goes and kills his brother. We see comparison as we journey on with our lives. We either compare up, I mean, we do both, but primarily you're going to see yourself in one over the other. So let's take a look in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 9, it says this, and this is a story about, as you know, many of you, if you are familiar with the biblical story about uh, King Saul and David, and they're in this journey together. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As they danced, they sang. This is a song that they sang. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Till this moment, like Saul, he was fine. He was having a great day. Eating, hanging out, people are singing songs about me. And, and he just, again, as a warrior, I just killed thousands. Is that pretty good? So like, so far, so good. I killed thousands. I'm coming back from the battle. Like, I'm great. Like, things are great. I'm strong. I have gifts and I'm powerful. Until here's the second line. And David, his tens of thousands. That's what comparison does. Huh? Just, you're You're okay. And then David, his tens of thousands, Saul was very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. And here's what it says. And here's how Saul talks about it. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Your focus shifts in comparison Till that moment, you're grateful for what God is doing in your life, the gifts that you have, the calling as a king, and everything's going on. But when comparison game begins, your focus shifts from God and what God is doing in your life to that person that you are comparing yourself to. And I, I mean, this is part of my journey. Comparison's a big part of my story. So as, uh, as we're picking this message, you know, the teachers were like, David, uh, yeah, you compare a lot, so why don't you teach this message? I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> and, uh, and you guys know, like, I remember the first day, I was sitting at the same seat, and, and I'm listening. I just got hired at Westgate, and I'm listening. And by the way, you compare primarily to folks who are in your lane, okay? Just you primarily compare to folks who are in your field. And so I'm watching Dave Tish come up, and he's super funny. And he's cracking jokes, and you guys are dying. And, and Steve's coming up. I see his leadership and inspiration gifts coming. Jay Kim coming up, and the way he's teaching these difficult passages in ways that you cannot even fathom, it, his, his precision. And I'm watching all that, and I'm paralyzed by comparison. And then I come up on stage, and I don't know if you were there for my first message. I was shaking. Some people are nodding. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> that message was terrible. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> right? You were like, David. I, I was like, and I was so scared because, and, and uh, later on, Steve, uh, he, he came by and he said, David, um, just to let you know, um, David, I hired you for you. I didn't hire to be somebody else here on staff. So just 
just, and, but for me, as I think about that, right, comparison, it, it begins to, uh, and what ends up happening is there's envy and, and jealousy that begins to kind of come forth, and, and it is amplified in our culture through social media. And as you spend time, like even this past month, as, as we're seeing a little bit more traveling, every single person is in Hawaii. Why? <laughs> Why? Right? I'm here. We're here. Right? All of our friends and family members are somewhere else. In, and what ends up happening is this comparison game. Why am I not there? How is this person accomplishing all these things during COVID while I'm barely trying to survive? comparison game and there's envy and jealousy and it begins to and I come home after a day of work and again had a great day at work thanking Jesus for his 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 spirit and working in us through the church doing wonderful things and then I go home and I'm checking my Instagram account and a pastor that I follow I see what he's done and all of a sudden everything that I've done that until that moment it becomes meaningless the envy and jealousy compares, comparing upward. Last week, I was at a church, and I was preaching, and right before the message, uh, the church had baptism cere- uh, celebration. And so they invited two folks who just accepted Christ and said, I want to be baptized, and I want to share my testimony in front of our church. It's beautiful. So the first guy comes up and shares how radically he encountered Jesus and the way he was living. He was in a life of stealing and cheating. And, and all of a sudden, like, he, he, he met Christ and the scriptures began to come alive. And he was just sharing how powerful that was and, and his love and forgiveness of sins. And, and so he's sharing the story. And we're celebrating with him. And then the second person comes up to share her baptismal story and her testimony of Jesus. And this is how she started the first line. My testimony is not as powerful or awesome as the first one. Right? And I'm not saying this to be, but this is what we do. We compare our faith journeys. We compare our testimonies. We compare our gifts and the way in which God is working in and through us. And because of the comparison game that we play, all of a sudden, the joy in our lives, the contentment that we have in Christ, his love, his forgiveness, that we are anchored by, all of a sudden it begins to be all kind of been stolen away by comparison. As you know, we've been in this working definition by Dallas Willard on joy, and it says this, joy is not a passing sensation of pleasure, but a pervasive sense of well-being that is infused with hope because of the goodness of God, that is anchored in God's goodness and the hope of the reality of all that, that he will finish what he has begun in us, that he will carry us to the end. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith, and we can trust him because he is good in our lives, but comparison begins to take away this joy. And so what we end up believing is this, that we believe in this lie, that I don't have enough in comparison. That as you scroll through, I, I don't have enough. I, or I am not e- enough, actually. And God is withholding good things from me. God 
will not provide and meet my needs. God is not good. He's not a good provider for me. And so as you compare, and if I'm being honest, in this season of my life, the thing that I compare and I'm, I'm jealous and I'm envious of Allah, in this day, right now, in this season, is actually the wealth in Silicon Valley. And when I see the homes and the next promotion and see the, the kind of the wealth and the, you know, my friend's company going IPO and celebrating that, is Westgate going IPO anytime soon, elders? Just, just asking, right? Just like, and just kind of thinking through that and going, my goodness, like, I am not, like, I'm not being anchored as I think through my own journey. Uh, man, all these things, like, God, God is not enough. What I have currently is, and God is withholding from me. The second way that we compare is we compare downward. And the verses come from this text, actually, that, um, that in our conference, our speaker mentioned, which was really cool, that fascinating. And it comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 11. Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this, God, I thank you that I am not like all these other people. Robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this text collector that's sitting next to me. The other way that you compare is you compare downward. You, th- you, you f- invite folks who you believe are less than than you. And then you find joy that you're higher than them. But that is not true joy. That's false joy. Right? So... So you gather yourself and you elevate yourself and you, oh, you're not really further down in the race. I, and I do this times when, like, especially somebody who just came into the faith and, and is going into ministry all fired up and, and is talking about the genuineness of God and ministry and all that. And then it's like so happy and joyous. And I just think of myself, just give, give yourself 10 years. You'll know how life will. You know, you'll really learn about ministry. You'll really learn about life. Right? And I tend to look down and dismiss the work of God in his or her life. And I love this. And so what ends up happening is we end up despising and belittling folks around. And again, as though that's going to give us some kind of true joy and satisfaction that's anchored in God's love and his goodness. But no, it's not. It's false joy. It's a lie. And, and the, the lie is this, that I am better than others. Uh, And I am better than them. I am okay because I'm awesome. And if you know, I love watching SportsCenter top 10 plays. Have you ever seen that? They do that every day or once a week. And for me, though, I really love watching top 10 worst plays of the day. Right? Because I'm like, ah, you sucker. You can't even do what we pay you to do. And I find, again, I'm trying to find joy in that. I'm trying to say, haha, you're a failure. You're not good enough. And you can't do what I'm doing. And again, that comparison game, and as we do that game, we believe that we are finding true joy, but we are not. And so um, this is what happens, whether we are comparing up or down. And just think about your journey. It's both ways. It's not really God-focused. It's not Christ-focused. It's not Jesus-honoring. You saw Saul begin to fixate his eyes on David the person that you're competing with, the person that you're jealous about, 
right? The, and as I look, and instead of saying, as I'm sitting there, instead of going, God, the, the, that you've saved me, that you gave me life and purpose, a place to work and, and find joy, but no, I look at the other gifts of people around me and their stories, and all of a sudden, the joy becomes weaker and weaker, and, and it becomes, and then it's all, all of a sudden, it disappears from my spirit, and, and it doesn't produce True joy. Let me repeat the um, definition once again. Um, joy is not a passing sensation of pleasure, but a pervasive sense of well-being that is infused with hope because of the goodness of God. So, here's the question. How do we cultivate joy? Um, I'm going to talk about two things, and we'll just quickly go over them. And, and the first thing is this. Gratitude over envy. Let me say that again. How do we cultivate joy? As, as, as God has given us this joy, how do we continue to cultivate it instead of getting it stolen through comparison? Gratitude over envy. And verse uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says this. An author who has lived through life, who had everything, and experienced pretty much the riches of and the glories of the kingdom, says this. And I saw that all toil and all achievement spring from one person's envy of another. I see that. That is, we're envious of other people's stuff and journey. And, and, and no, that, that becomes a chasing after the wind. That becomes meaningless because it doesn't produce the, the God joy in us. And so here is the invitation as we think about gratitude over envy. Well, the invitation is this. My well-being, uh, what you give me is enough. And I have everything I need to have joy right now. Okay, just take a moment. Not, it's not, I have, every, I have everything I need to have joy right now. And I think about kind of the invitation. And as we look at this painting here, um, What happened to my notes? Oops. Jesus, help me. It's getting awkward. Gotta find it faster. Yes, got it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Um, as we think about um, this painting, this uh, from the beautiful creator Claire, she says this. This this painting is balanced gifts. And the description of this painting is this. Although our differences can be dividing in a sinful world, God invented these differences so we are better equipped to live and serve in variety of ways. Let me say that again. Although our differences can be dividing in a sinful world, God invented these differences so that we are better equipped to live and serve in a right way. That instead of being jealous over other people's journeys and gifts, that we all have our own unique stories and gifts and our limitations, our, ta our talents, and that, that instead of being dividing and divisive over, that we are able to celebrate and serve God in our own unique ways. And so being reminded of that and being grateful for the story and the journey of God in your own life. And here's the second invitation. Second invitation is this. 
Second invitation is rest over ceaseless ambition. What I don't mean is like Netflix for and, and just bumming out for the last year and a half. We've already done that, right? I've watched every show, right? And what I mean by real rest, the true rest is what I mean by is Sabbath that we read uh, in Ecclesiastes chapter four. It says this, fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil chasing after the wind. We, living in Silicon Valley, we are all too ambitious. We're all exhausted because we're chasing after more because just that promotion, that job, that person, that, uh, that prom- whatever that may be, it, and the, the, the kind of the, 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 the lie that we believe is this, if only, right? if only, and so we're constantly chasing, and the, the wisdom of the scripture says this, it's better to just have one and to enjoy life and to have rest and to have peace than trying to grab both and trying to do more in that exhaustion that we believe that's going to give us peace, joy, and satisfaction. But most times, it doesn't. You know, Bronnie where uh, she has this famous book, she's a nurse who cares for, and, and many of you know this book, nurse who cares for those who are at the end of their journey. And so she has seen, and she's spent a ton of time with thousands of folks as they were at the end of their journey in life. And as she cared for them, she got to see some of the patterns of the things that they said. And she wrote this famous book, Five Regrets of the Dying. What are the most common things that they all say? And of the five, I I, I don't have time to go through all five, but then one is really relevant to our journey is this. I wish that I hadn't worked so hard. Let's Let's take a moment and breathe. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. That Jesus, that my journey is not to beat that person or to grab that thing. That right now, that what you, and, and so the, the, the practice rest is this, and, and my well-being comes from you, God, not my hustle, right? Not from what I can grab with my own strength. In resting in you, I will find joy. So as we kind of, we're going to spend some time in prayer and reflection, and here's the kind of the invitation. Is there something or someone that you compare yourself to that you're chasing in this season? As we go off to our summers, is there something or someone that you're kind of constantly comparing and it's robbing you of the joys? I love this hymn and I'm gonna read this for us and we're gonna sing this couple times and this ancient hymn, it goes like this. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. It's a reminder that wherever our eyes may be fixated on in this season of our journey during, as we're coming out of, we're thinking through many things. As Saul may be focused on David, you may be focusing on that person or that thing for joy. But the writer of this hymn says this, that, Actually, joy comes from Jesus. That as we fixate our eyes upon the author and the perfecter of our faith who came and lived, died, and rose again, who gives us forgiveness, life, eternal life, and a new way to live 
and the eternal kingdom promise for us that as we, as the body of Christ, anchor ourselves in that reality and that truth, may that give us and may that remind us of the joy that we have in Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Would you close your eyes with me and just, just hear the invitation of Jesus? Is there someone that you've been just tirely chasing after or something? And just take a moment to rest in Christ's presence that, that all you have right now is all that you need. Just find freedom in that. Just confess if there's something to confess and say, I release this person. I'm living my life comparing to this. God, I release this person to you, Jesus. I release this thing to you, Jesus. So as you confess, may, song, may this song be, again, a prayer for all of us. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look for wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace I was thinking about the story of this hymn you know, it's an ancient hymn, and so some stories, uh, you know, there's differences in the story, but one of the common ones that I read is that this song was written by a writer named Helen Lemel, and she took it from a journal that was written about a, a hundred years ago by, it's, the journal is called Focus. And the story has it, the legend has it, that this, um, that many historians would say that as uh, Helen, as she got older, when she became an adult, she lost her eyesight. And her husband, because of that, divorced her. And she wrote this song saying, turn, Jesus, my eyes, turn my eyes to you, Jesus. That's all that matters. This is what's going to guide me and anchor me, Christ. You are all and all is in you. You are my all-sufficient God. So as we sing the song one more time, may that, if you can join us in that song, just may that be our prayer. Jesus, 
wherever we may be, in our Silicon Valley where there's so much ambition and comparison and cutthroatness and we're trying to outdo one another, Jesus, we pray that, that your life, your forgiveness, your resurrection, your promise of the eternal kingdom, you, Jesus, you are all that we need and may that be the true joy in our lives. Would you join us in, in singing this song? Turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face And the things of earth will grow strangely dim In the light of his glory Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. things of earth will grow strangely dim and the light of his glory and grace